I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurer agent myhealthpolicy.com What's up, everyone? It is Wednesday night. Don O'Mite. Don Tony here. We just finished week two of AEW Dynamite and NXT on the USA Network. I got to tell you, man, last week, first time in 22 years of doing this, I actually watched two shows at the same time, did two recaps at the same time, it was so stressful and so frustrating, but after it was over, I loved it. I don't know if anybody else out there, if you're out of shape, you work out, or better yet, you go camping, you go hiking in the mountains. I don't know if anybody's ever done this. I used to do this when I was a lot younger. Me and my friends, we would go hiking in Bear Mountain. We would hike for like two, three hours. My legs would be rubbery. Everything would fucking hurt. I'm craving for a Big Mac, but we're halfway into the woods. And then you have no place to shower. You would fucking drink water from a stream and hopefully it was filtered enough and you ate dehydrated shit. Then you hiked all the way back. You drive two and a half hours and all your friends in your car smell like absolute shit. You go home, you haven't slept good in four days, you fucking wake up the next day, you can't even walk, everything hurts, you got diarrhea because the water didn't filter all that, and you're like, I'll never fucking do this ever again. Then a week later, you can't wait to do it again. That's how I feel tonight, and I fucking had fun tonight. I got to tell you, man, I know I've said this many times in the past, but honestly, if you have anybody out there, I don't include fans. Fans, it's different. But you have any podcaster and any website, webmaster out there, blogger tonight, 
that is dissing either AEW or NXT, honestly, is a just a bitter person or is just looking to get tweet fucked, looking to get attention. I never in a million years could understand how people could watch a show, hate it for three hours, bitch about it for three hours, but then they just don't change the channel. You got baseball playoffs. You got politics. You got soap operas, forensic files replays. You got porn. There's porn all over the net. They complain. They bitch. I love tonight. I had AEW going on the TV. I had NXT going on the laptop. And I had my computer taking the notes. So I had three different mediums all at the same time. And let's give props to AEW. Last week, yeah, they beat NXT in the ratings. And I think it was like a 1.4 million to, I don't know, somebody get the rating for NXT. It was like 800,000, 897, somewhere around there. And Mish, I promise you, I'm going to talk about NWA in a moment. But you think about the first AEW show. I compared it to going on a first date with a with a significant other. Me, I'm a guy, I'm heterosexual. All right, I go on a first date with a woman. You're hyped, you're excited, you can't wait. You're chatting for weeks, months, you can't wait. You finally get it. And no matter what, the first date, especially if it goes off well, you think it's the, you finally found the right one. Everything is perfect. You go home, you talk for another six hours, you can't wait to go on a second date. Then when the second date, the third date, the fourth date, the fifth date, the sixth date, the seventh date, the eighth date happens, that's when you really test, you know, if you're really meant for each other. AEW right now is new. It's fresh. It's exciting. There's so much unknown. So obviously there is a big buzz around it. And I think those ratings will drop a little bit. That doesn't mean that AEW is losing viewers. There's a curiosity factor right from the get-go. But I got to tell you, man, as far as production goes, AEW really tightened up a lot of things last week. That's why I said last week, anybody that was comparing AEW show to Raw, SmackDown, or even NXT is just an absolute moron. They had one episode under their belt. One. This is the grind. This happens every week now. They need to build storylines. It's not as easy as you think. And I know Moxley did an interview over the, over the weekend, I think, and he was talking about how there were no writers in the back and this is not, and that's cool. But that's also kind of foolish because you need someone to really put things together and organize it. Let the wrestlers you know, do what they do in the ring. Let them do what they do on the mic. Let them ad lib. Let them be themselves because that's when you usually get the best out of a performer. When you have to choreograph too much and that's the problem I still have with NXT. And I will reiterate what I said last week. The Street Profits have no problem with them whatsoever. You could see that they're, you know, stars on the horizon. But back in April, and I retweeted it today, not to pack myself on the back, but because I saw this coming in April. When you saw Private Party announced as being signed for AEW, I congratulated them in April. And I told everybody out there that 
Outside of New York, you may never have heard about them before, but you will. And my fucking God, did they put on a performance tonight against the Young Bucks. And look, give AEW a little bit of kudos here. Because within the first two weeks, we figured Nyla Rose was going to be the woman's champion and the Young Bucks were going to advance and probably get the tag titles right off the bat. And you kind of felt like that was the way they wanted to go. And they went against the grain twice. They, and, it, and they didn't go against the grain simply because everybody predicted it a certain way. They're showing that everybody is a team player. Now, granted, something I've been saying all week. I watched Brandy Rhodes talking about, uh, you know, the, the women's roster, and I talk about she's talking about their new women's champion Riho, and she's saying these nice little compliments. But I'm sorry, not for nothing. But you look at the amount of press that they gave Nyla Rose the last month, and look at the press that they've given Riho. Have they done anything over the last week? for fans, casual fans, to get to know Riho a little bit more. Try to explain things a little bit more. Not during a match, but it just feels like, all right, you know, you could say certain things. In fact, I think it was Newsweek that did an interview with Brandy Rhodes over the weekend. This is not criticizing Brandy Rhodes in any way, shape, or form, but this is why I hate fucking interviews. Everybody out there that has half a brain, I want you to think about this for a minute. Newsweek asks Brandy Rhodes, do you think that AEW will have women's tag team titles? Now, for everybody out there, what do you think the answer would be from Brandy Rhodes? Let, let, just think about that as far as common sense for a minute. Do you think Brandy Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, fucking Cody Rhodes, Cody Hawk, do you think anybody... On God's green earth, when an entertainment business is going to turn around and say, no, we're not going to get women's tag titles. No, we're just going to keep the women's title. Oh, so you could get a whole bunch of people online to say, why wouldn't you be so, why are you so shallow? Why wouldn't you have women's tag titles? What the fuck do you expect her to say? She can't say anything else. When you see the people, these dumb morons, instead of doing research about insurance and why wrestlers are not getting insurance in AEW, the independent contractors, instead of doing research and understanding why they can't get insurance, and yes, I use the word can't. No, what do you say to the Young Bucks? Hey, you know, what do you think about the wrestlers all having insurance? What the fuck you think they're going to say? Oh, well, they can't get insurance. Well, why not? And then they're going to try to explain. What did they say? Oh, you know, we wish one day everybody has insurance, just like every illegal Mexican has health care and everybody has this. I hate these interviews where you know there could be only one response. There's no way Brandy Rhodes or any other promotions can say. That's why I gave uh, Joe Coff of Ring of Honor a little bit of credit. Somebody did an interview with him lately, and he was talking. A question came up about Ring of Honor's women's division. And this guy actually came out and said, Look, a women's division is more than four or five women. And he said, 
you know, look, right now, you know, well, women's division is not big. And the fucking guy gave an honest story, no politically correct, no promise in this. No, he could have went a whole different direction with it. Now, on the negative side, Ring of Honor, I think, is in quicksand. You know, they just had some great lucha matches for their, their show, and their fucking commentators, the product, they can't put over the lucha at all. They're just horrendous with it. In fact, MLW to me is blowing them away as far as really hyping up the Lucha aspect of the product. But before I get into the AEW recap, before I get into the NXT recap, uh, first I want to thank everybody for all of your feedback the last week. This is such a challenge to do a show that has no WWE news in it. Yes, we'll talk NXT, obviously, but... To especially do two recaps at the same time. But this show is not just AEW or NXT. Look, any fucking podcast or any fucking goof could go on Discord, go on Mixler, go on YouTube, go on fucking whatever, and give you an NXT recap and they're a fucking superstar podcaster. No, we have to give a little respect to the other promotions as well. And even the promotions that I don't like, even some of the people behind the scenes that I don't like, if they're a promotion, they got news, I got to bite my tongue and, and report it anyway. So we're going to get into a lot of different shit today. But for the older fans out there, the older fans that love going on the WWE Network and watching old school wrestling, World Championship Wrestling, you know, WWF, you know, even AWA, you know, just whatever. WCW, NWA, you know, Billy Corgan. I don't know if this was a pilot. I was talking to Mish a little bit about it tonight, and I don't know if this is more of a pilot than anything else, but they aired their first episode of NWA Power, and there's two R's at the end of Power. This is officially episode one, and um, it was only taped a week ago. And that's one of the things I absolutely love about it. I, I'm sorry, I can't get into promotions as much when they air an event that was taped five months ago, six months ago. Because by now you saw spoilers, you had people posting little phone clips, you got this, you got that, you got this. You see some of the wrestlers wrestling for different promotions and this, this and that. And then it finally airs and like, oh, come on, this is old shit. Ever since I have been a wrestling fan, and I've been a fan since 1979, my favorite wrestling is always live. I don't want to know spoilers. But unfortunately, me, I'm like everybody else out there. If there's spoilers out there, I got to click on it. You know, even if somebody writes, you know, spoiler alert, I'll still click on it. Yeah, Burrito Punch, it's 1979. Very, very young. I didn't even know what wrestling was at the time. It was over my grandmother's house late at night. She was watching it on Channel 9 in New York. And I was like, you know, Nanny, what's this? And she's like, it's wrestling. I had no idea what it was. But all I know is I saw fucking a fat Mr. Fuji and some others, and I, I got hooked. And I got hooked even more. I got to thank my mother for this. I got hooked even more. Because the following week, my grandmother wasn't babysitting. When it aired at midnight, I turned my fucking black and white TV on. And, you know, I'm not even a fucking teenager yet. And my mother is like, what do you have on the TV? You're supposed to be in bed. I'm like, no, 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 it's wrestling. Nanny let me see it. 
She looked at it and she's like, you're not watching that. And she turned it off. My God, Minga, not even 10 years old. I fucking, that was it. I wanted to fucking watch it even more. You know that when we were young, if something was taken away from you, you wanted it more. Sometimes, that's why, and look, I will bring up a WWE example. You remember when they had the Usos and the New Day doing the rap battle and had Matarats Wale, Dom again, Dom again, whatever he fucking said. They censored some of what the Usos said because it kind of insinuated what happened with Paige and fucking, you know, Xavier Woods, and they censored it. And WWE was so moronic by doing that because if they just would have left it alone for about a day or two, everybody would have been like, oh shit, did you hear what the Usos said in the promo? And then people would have forgot about it two days later. But because they censored it, everybody online, what did they censor? Oh my God, what did they censor? I got to see this. Oh my God, what did they censor? What did they... And it just added a whole bunch of attention. When I was a fat little fucking kid and there would be a cookie jar on the table and my mother would say, don't eat any cookies. When she wasn't looking, my fucking hands were in those Oreos. My God, there were fucking cream all over my hands. You would have thought I was Wade Keller. I mean, my God, I fucking, you told me I couldn't have something. I wanted it fucking 10 times more. So NWA has their first episode, only aired a week ago. So you really don't know what's going down. If you are a fan of old school wrestling, or if you are a young fan out there, and you see the old shit from NWA. And this is why I absolutely love this. But there's a, there's a little issue here. They're taping it almost like you're in a time machine. You would swear it's 1981. The ring looks the same. The look looks the same. The announcer's area looks the same. The way the crowd is set up looks the same. They're even using a smaller ring because a lot of people don't understand that back in the day, the rings were smaller. I think it was 18 by 18 rings. WWF, WWE, I think uses, what, 20 by 20? And back in the day, a lot of promotions would use boxing rings. That's why when they would fall and hit the mat, it would be stiff as fuck because it was a boxing ring. It didn't have a lot of spring to it. But this had everything old school. The graphics were old school. Jim Cornette doing play-by-play. -play, come on, man. Doesn't get any better than that. If Jim Cornette would just dye his hair a little bit, you would swear you would think that you're watching an 80s show. But what I loved about it more than anything is this. You go back and you watch NWA TV back in the day. Yeah, when you have confrontations, it's exciting. When you have wrestlers cutting promos, Piper, Flair, and others, it was entertaining. But when you watch the matches in the ring, the matches, my God, you get drop kicks, headlocks. You would, you would get very, you know, playing matches because that was what we watched back in the day. So now you're getting the old school NWA look, the old school NWA feel, but with contemporary wrestling. How could you beat that? It You don't have the boring matches in the ring. And I fucking loved it. Now, for anyone out there that does want to see it, it is on YouTube. You could check out NWA's Facebook page as well. The matches that were on was the Dawson's versus Sal Renaro, uh and Billy Buck. 
You had the wild cards of Thomas Latimer and Roy, Royce Isaacs versus Mims and Danny White uh, in a non-title match because the wild cards are the current NWA tag t champions. James Storm versus Josephus. You had Nick Aldis defending the NWA championship against Tim Storm. And uh, I'm drawing a blank. There was one other match. I think. I, am I forgetting a match here, Mish? I think there was one other match that was on. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it was fucking awesome. I absolutely felt like a kid watching this. Now, the only negative thing about it, um, Mambo Mike says there was a match. I thought there was another match. I don't know why I, I'm thinking another match, but here's the one problem that they, they may be having right now. And Billy Corgan knows what he's doing, but he has to also be careful about this. You know, once in a blue moon, WWE goes retro on TV. They'll show the graphics from like 1993 and they'll have, you know, the, the different look and a lot of retro. And retro was always fun to see. But when you do it on a weekly basis, you better have some really charismatic, talented wrestlers. And look, Homicide was there. Eddie Kingston was there. Great promos going back and forth. Little bit of brawls here and there. So it was a nice mix. But if you're going to go strictly old school and focus on old school, your demographic might end up being a lot older than what you want. Because there there is a, a little bit of visual that needs to be. I mean, my God, WWE brought back pyros, even though it's not the pyros of yesteryear, you might get, you know, a two-second explosion. This way, if even Cody's dog was fucking by the rampway at Raw, the, before the dog would even freak out, the pyros are done. It was a bit, yes, I agree, White Sox. It was a very easy show to watch. But right now, is there a wrestling boom? I don't think so. We're way, way, way far away from a wrestling boom. Because keep in mind, look at the Monday Night Wars in 1995. Look at the total viewership. Then look at the viewership in 2000, 1999 and 2000. That was a wrestling boom. When Vince McMahon becomes a billionaire at that time, that was a wrestling boom. And the funny thing is, in 1999 and 2000, WCW was on the decline. But still, when you take the combined viewership, my God, 10, what, 15 million people just in the United States tuning in. Right now, it's, I talked about this on Monday. You don't know the total number of unique fans watching wrestling right now because almost everybody that is listening right now, I guarantee you that you don't just watch AEW. You probably watch Raw, you probably watch NXT or SmackDown, you might watch NWA, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, but the idea to think that it's a boom, you got 2.8 million fans tuning in on Monday night. Now this is very important to point out everybody, you have 2.8 million fans tuning in to Raw. That sucks. That's not good. Compared to not too many years ago, that sucks. So now, last week, you had AEW's debut, 1.4 million, and you had NXT, did like eight, 900,000, let's say. You add that up, that's 2.3 million. Raw wasn't on that night. 
So you have 2.3 million fans tuning into Wednesday. How many of those 2.3 million fans also watched Monday? How many of those 2.3 million fans are going to watch SmackDown on Friday? So you don't know what the unique you know, number of viewers are right now. Now, the difference between back in the day and now is social media, obviously, plus Hulu, YouTube, you know, you could see footage almost everywhere. And I'll tell you this much, kudos to um, TNT and True TV and uh, just other outlets out there because over the weekend, I saw at least two or three different times that AEW was airing on my uh my cable TV, I can't even call it cable TV because I got rid of Spectrum. Now I have YouTube TV. But over the weekend, I saw it at least once airing on True TV. And not at 4 o'clock in the morning either. It was, you know, during the day, a decent time. So even though you may only get 800,000 viewers, 950 as far as AEW this week, you don't know how many of those fans that don't watch wrestling during the week that might have tuned in on the weekend. You don't know how many fans out there that just has been disenchanted from wrestling and may have talked to their friends over the weekend. Uh, oh, shit, you check out AEW? Nah, I haven't watched wrestling in a while. Oh, man, it's a brand new promotion. You got to check it out. I don't know, maybe I will. And you look and you say, oh, okay, it's, a, it's airing Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock or whatever it is. And then you watch it. So... AEW right now, please, everyone, don't fall into the trap, all right? I made a little prediction on Breakfast Soup last week that AEW is going to experience an XFL ratings drop in a matter of a couple of weeks. Keep in mind, when XFL debuted, they had an insane rating. Nobody in a million years ever predicted they would get that rating. And then it dropped almost 50%. The problem is, is that... You're talking about a football league and you had football fans that were no longer tuning in. Here you have the curiosity factor, but it's going to subside and there is going to be some viewers that are going to not watch on a particular time on a Wednesday night. So even if their viewership goes down to 800,000 or 900,000, don't be like these clickbaiters. You could see it a mile away. If they get 900,000 views, I think that they'll get about a million this week. But if they get a million viewers, don't be like these places are going to say AEW's ratings drop 35%, 40%. Totally unfair. Right now, AEW's creating a foundation does Sammy Guevara look kind of out of place in that click with, you know, the former LAX and Jericho? Sure he does. But Jericho's trying to get Guevara to the next level. They're trying to get Darby Allen or all in it. Some people call him with his last name. They're trying to get him be more of a household name. Kudos to the Boston fans tonight who just were just so energetic and on fire. Last week, it seemed like, obviously, it was a big AEW fan base there. But it looked like a whole bunch of other fans that were curious about AEW. But last week, they opened with Cody Rhodes. And I invite you to watch, please, do this. Watch the Cody Rhodes match last week and watch the opening match this week. Forget about who's in the ring, but just pay attention to the crowd. This crowd tonight, I fucking thought was awesome. 
I mean, they just were really into the show. And yes, they were into it last week. But this crowd, you could feel it. There was a lot of energy in that air. And speaking of the opening, I mean, my God, you had just an absolute awesome match between Private Party and the Young Bucks in the AEW Tag Team Tournament. I thought it was so unfair. You have never seen me try to make a Street Profits joke with these guys. Because just because they're two black guys and just because they like to party and just because one has a cup and one has a fucking barricade or whatever and they do it, they're not the same. You look at Private Party today and you look at Street Profits and you could see the difference right off the bat. Nothing against the Street Profits, but the Street Profits are more about charisma. Private Party is more about in-ring. That's the big difference. When you heard those fans chanting, this is wrestling early on, I mean, that pretty much told the story. And give props to the Young Bucks today. Not that they lost to Private Party. It's not just about that. But one of my biggest problems about the Young Bucks is some of their matches are, some, a lot of their matches are over-choreographed. You know, it's almost like, you know, the you have to bet the over and under of how many insane spots they do. And usually the over and under is probably 20. And I'm exaggerating a little bit. But tonight, they toned it down a little bit. You don't need to kill your fucking body, you know, to get this is awesome chance. And Private Party just nailed it tonight. I mean, just absolutely nailed it. And that's why... You know, as I said back in April, you may not know about these guys, you know, but you will because tonight they they just really killed it and they advance in the tournament. I mean, some of the moves that they, they were pulling out, it's Quinn is a star. They obviously need a little bit more seasoning, maybe get a little bit more of the charisma also, and that's it. They, they obviously backed it up in the ring today. Absolutely fucking loved it. Someone in the chat saying that NWA had 17,000 more views while both show was going on tonight. So what? So what? And plus, not for nothing, I'm not accusing NWA or anyone else doing this, but I saw somebody put out like a top 100 of all of the shows on YouTube and all of the podcasts on YouTube. We're not on YouTube. I've never been on YouTube. I don't need YouTube. Could you imagine how big our shows would be if I utilized YouTube all these years? Yes, Epic Sports and TV Tracks used to put our clips up, but I never utilize YouTube for our stuff. I don't have the time. But you look at Stitcher, you look at our numbers compared to everyone's, we're always number one. Always. If I fucking utilize YouTube, forget it. But I also know that for $9.95, you could pay a company and boost your YouTube numbers by about 10000 As long as you're not getting commercial revenue, because then that would be fraud. And I can't tell you how many fucking matarazzas back then. Hey, look at me. I got 56,000 hits. But meanwhile, you paid fucking $19.99. And then you look at the YouTube. Uh, it's not YouTube. You look at the Twitter accounts with some people. Oh my God, I got 8,000 followers. Yeah, the only way you could get 8,000 followers is if you follow 6,500 and they give you a follow back. Or you pay someone and you look at their fucking profile and every person is a fucking Russian Jap 
in fucking foreign writing and this, this, and that. They're not even wrestling fans. In fact, I saw one guy's Twitter, and all he talks about is wrestling, and I looked at it, and I seen fucking profiles written in Japanese. You translate, and it says, I hate wrestling with a passion. I only follow this person because I get paid to do it. The fuck out of here. Numbers. Number my balls. But private party just killed it tonight. Young Bucks did a great job as well. Private party advances in the tournament. Crowd gave them a standing ovation. They deserved it. They earned it. Kudos to the crowd as well. They really, anybody that ever tried to compare private party to the street profits, if you ever see that written again, that's just somebody looking to get tweet fucked because you cannot compare them at all. None. Zero. Zero. And by the way, I will take a little shot at Street Profits right now. And this isn't their fault. I said this last week and I'll say it again. That main event last week with the Street Profits against uh, the Undisputed era, it's too plain, too organized. If there's anything that annoys me about NXT, and trust me, seeing the nude uh, Roderick Strong photo where they Photoshop Brad Shepard's pee-pee on the photo, you know, th that's not enough. You need to have disorganization. You Things need to be disorganized. Now, AEW's got to be careful about these clusterfuck NWO-type beatdowns to close out their shows every night, every week, every week, every week. Right now, I have no problem with it. And I coined a phrase today. Uh, hopefully, you're 18 years or older because I would really get upset if anybody young tries to look this up. But Jericho came out after this match, cut a promo, brought out Ortiz, Santana, Guevara, brought out Jake Hager, and I fucking love the promo. Now, with all due respect, I think it was Brian Mitchell tonight. If I'm wrong, my apologies to him, or Bruce Mitchell, I think his name is. But somebody PM'd me and showed me this, and I like Bruce Mitchell. I like Meltzer. I, I don't criticize him. But I think it was Bruce Mitchell that wrote tonight that Jericho had, he was asking people if this possibly was Jericho's greatest promo in his career. Somebody in the chat in Discord, please post that that tweet that he put up. I got to read it to everybody out there. But I don't know what kind of drugs he was on tonight, but please send me some because I'm in a lot of pain right now and my midsection is hurting like a motherfucker. Jericho's promo was awesome tonight. You know, even, you know, just ending the We The People chants. I mean, just calling themselves a new clique. Someone's, yeah, the most, please, you got to post that tweet. I, I know it was on there, but Jericho comes out and he's trying to put over his group. And they are a faction now. And the reason that why they're a faction is because the main feud that you're seeing right now is the elite versus the inner circle. That is what they're calling themselves, the inner circle. Now, the funny thing is, is that if you listen to my shows, I always say, I'm look, before anybody say anything, I'm not one of these goofs out there. I'm not saying that they heard me say and they took that. I'm not saying it at all. All right, but you always hear me say, hey, the DTKC inner circle, soup inner circle. You know, there's different definitions, but I couldn't resist. You could go two ways with this. 
and it's kind of funny when I say it like that, but you could take that new group name, the inner circle, you go two ways because I came up with a term tonight and I wrote it five minutes after they announced the group name. So I'll probably be the first that actually coined this, but you can either go this way. And I don't know if AEW would go this far because this is really adult over the top. But I don't know if you all out there know what circle jerks are, but I said that, you know, the over the top AEW whack jobs, the absolute whack jobs that'll say, you know, that said that the Uso was trying to get a, a, a DWI and arrested so he'd get fired from WWE and signed with AEW, those whack jobs. We could call them the inner circle jerks. Or if you want to go against the inner circle faction and you want to torment them or just, you know, be be a wise ass to them, you could call Jericho's group the inner circle jerks. So I don't know what you all think about it. Oh, somebody in the in Discord posted a really cool photo of them posting. I guess that's a new shirt that they came out with. Yeah, the inner circle. So I call them the inner circle jerks. So, but uh, the fans chanting really, really loud, we the people, talking about Jake Hager. And Jericho gets on the mic and says, we the people sucks. It's dead and buried. He said it was a stupid idea from bad creative, and that is all gone now. And um, the crowd was just eating it up. He starts cutting promos on the Rhodes family, calling Dustin a moron. He said Dusty was a jerk. He rips Cody. And he says at the pay-per-view in Baltimore, he's going to beat the ever-living shit out of Cody. And he did use the word shit. It was not censored. And after the match is over, he's going to be all around Baltimore with a little bit of bubbly celebrating the victory. Crowd ate it up. Entertaining promo. You know, it's interesting because Jericho obviously is supposed to be the heel here. But Jericho is so good at what he does. And the fans were chanting, thank you, Jericho, because Jericho is very in, in, important to the AEW promotion and getting to this point. In fact, anybody that listens to my other shows, you have heard me say this for a while now, that I compared Chris Jericho to Terry Funk with ECW in 1997. Yes, ECW had three and a half, four years leading up to their first pay-per-view. But the idea of them going to pay-per-view was supposed to take AECW uh, to the next level. And Terry Funk was the veteran that helped the young stars and just trying to get them to the next level. And to me, that's what Jericho was doing for AEW. And not only that, and I and this, you know, when I thought about it and I talked about it the night of the AEW pay-per-view, you thought about Hangman Page versus Jericho for the first champion. And it literally hit me before the pay-per-view started. Publicity, interviews, newspapers, magazines, websites, TV, non-wrestling, wrestling. Who do you expect to be on the cover of all of that? Hangman Page or Chris Jericho? Even if you're not a wrestling fan, if you're into rock and metal, you know Fozzie. Jericho is a household name. So even though some people out there want to laugh about his physique and try to say his nose is distorted because he's got an alcohol problem, the fucking just, just, Bixenspan said that? Spickenspan, fucking dopey bastard. 
Jericho is the perfect advertiser, the perfect ambassador for AEW right now. That's why I'm not certain yet, and I'm not convinced that Cody will beat him for the title. But AEW, and hopefully Cody, you know, could get off their high horse a little bit with Cody, and Cody isn't Jesus Christ. You know, when he does these interviews, he's not Mr. Fucking Alter Boy that he didn't know this, and he promises this, and he loses this, and that. And just, you know, he's telling the people what they want to hear. But, you know, the lights go out. He's in the ring. You know, it was good. You knew he was going to fucking help his brother and, and you know, the elite was going to come out. But, you know, I'm sorry. At the end of the day still, Cody Rhodes to me is not, you know, like the someone I'm going to pay big money for to headline a promotion. He definitely deserves the spot that he's in. But to be the representative, there's so much publicity that AEW is getting right now outside of wrestling. Chris Jericho is the number one person to give them that publicity. So, you know, I love the promo tonight. It was great. And, um, you know, I have no problem with the inner circle name. I mean, what, what else are you supposed to call it? For people out there that are making fun of it, give me a name that you would call them. Give me a name. It's very easy to shit on something, but when you have no fucking ideas yourself, you know, put a condom on next time when you want to get tweet fucked. Next, Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen. Winner gets an AEW championship match next week on Dynamite. I think we know what the outcome will be next week. I don't think there'll be a title change, but Jimmy Havoc cutting a promo early on that he's been in the business 15 years is the most important match of his career. Not a bad match. Um, feels like I was missing something, and I don't know if it's because of the last you know, match we had with Jimmy Havoc with the real hardcore shit. But Darby Allen gets the win. I think, obviously, this is to try to get Darby Allen to the next level. Jimmy Havoc, obviously, is a is a big name. Um, you know, fighting for a heavyweight championship right now, I don't think is needed for him. And Jericho will give a nice rub for Darby Allen next week. You know Jericho is going to sell for him big time. And Darby Allen could, could definitely hold his own in the ring. In fact, I think Darby Allen is more seasoned than Guevara. But, you know, Guevara, obviously, they, they're trying to give him the rub as well. This is this something very, very important. Cody, Jericho, Omega, to a certain extent, and others, they need to bring other people to their level. All right, Moxley, to an extent, they need to bring other people to their level. All right, and yeah, uh, right now, Moxley, Pack, the Elite, the inner circle, so to speak, uh, you know, they can hold their own as far as a majority of the TV time, but you need to bring some of these other names to another level. You need fans. Right now, let's be honest, everyone, and I'm not saying this to act like an asshole, but if I went to an NXT event, if I went to a WWE event, and I had outside the arena a picture of Darby Allen. How many of them do you think they would know who that is? Seriously. Am I being generous when I say 5%? So they need TV time. They need seasoning. They need exposure. One episode, two episodes, 
four episodes is not going to cut it. So you got to give them more time. But at the same time, though, there's an old saying, you never get a second chance at a first impression. These guys and even the gals, they have to really impress from the get-go. That's why AEW, if you notice, not having too many squash matches. You know, maybe some of the matches fall flat, but you're not seeing much in the form of squash matches because someone who is an unknown right now, unless you have a lot of charisma or there is something attached to you that fans could catch on, if you show nothing from the get-go, it's damage. It's damage. You create a lot of damage for that wrestler. But, um, you know, that's why I fucking, I can't get into Marco. I call him Marco publicity stunt. I'm sorry, man. You know, have a midgets division. Have a fucking cruiserweight division down the line and then bring this guy in. I'm sorry. Somebody that fucking weighs less than my fucking paper airplane on my fucking desk. I'm sorry. I can't buy into the suspension of disbelief. Him throwing around fucking, you know, the SCU like he does. I just, I can't buy into it. Sorry. Can't buy into it. Next, we had um, Bia uh, Priestley and Emi Sakura versus Rio and Britt Baker. Um, I felt like the Japanese women were on opposite sides of the team so they can balance out that that match a little bit. Even though Baker and Bia don't need to, you know, have like really talented Japanese women to compliment them. But during the match, I actually wrote online, you could see it and some others did as well, that I almost felt like they were planting the seeds to have a Rio versus Britt Baker match for the title down the line. And after they mentioned that Britt was 2-0 and after two weeks, I said, oh, okay. And then by the end of the night, we found out that, yes, Britt Baker versus Rio will take place for the Women's Championship next week. Um, will it end in a clean pin? I have no idea. But um, look, Emi Sakura is talented. Uh, I know some of you will remember her. Um, I'm trying to remember that other promotion. I'm drawing a blank right now. Forgive me. So, someone in the chat probably knows who she is. And if you don't, shame on you. Um, my God. I know Mish knows. I'm drawing a blank right now. But I'm sorry, man. Emi Sakura needs to go on fucking keto sushi. When she's fucking holding her finger and she's fucking like, you know, the, the close-ups are in pain. Like, I honestly thought I saw a fucking, like, fryer, what is it, fryer fest? This looked like fryer fat. It was just, she she just, I don't know, she looks like two pounds of Japanese bologna in a one-pound bag. I can't remember the promotion. Shame on everybody. Oh, no, Shezzy Ali's trying to guess and saying Shimmer. I don't, was she in Shimmer? I don't know if she was, there was another promotion that she was in that she, they're more, more famous than that. Maybe it was Shimmer. I think Shezzy's just trying to guess right now. But Emmy Sakura, as talented as she is, sorry. I just, I, I was not feeling that at all. And it was funny when Rio did that dive outside the ring and they put the close-up on Emmy's face. Nah, no, I'm sorry. You know, kissing the boo-boo on her finger reminded me, who was it, Sincata at that time? Or was it Sincata or Kalisto? Fuck out of here. Anyway, Britt Baker and Rio get the win. Next, we have John Moxley versus Ty Dillinger. Tully Blanchard at ringside, you know, not a bad match. I, I, I mean, it, I, I don't know because of what happened last week. 
It felt like something was missing here. Sean Spears had a lot of offense in this match, and there was a lot of stiff, you know, work outside the ring. You know, Moxley at one point, I thought, landed on his head. And, um, you know, it was a decent match. At the end, John Moxley gets the win. And uh, you you saw after the I, I honestly, I'm sorry to say this. You know, but Tully Blanchard, the storyline was good with Cody. It made sense. In storyline, they hated the the Rhodes family, hated Dusty Rhodes. So Tully Blanchard is is prepping John Moxley. It's his student. He's teaching him so he can overtake Cody. Cody's out of the bit picture now with Sean Spears for the most part. So right now, Tully Blanchard looks like a potted plant outside the ring. And I hate to say that because I fucking love Tully Blanchard. But to me, he do, he's doing nothing for Sean Spears. I don't know why he's out there. He looked very disappointed after the match. Uh, having a breakup between Blanchard and Spears would be way too early right now. But, you know, for the storyline with Cody, okay. But now you got Sean Spears um, losing and seems like Tully Blanchard's uh, advice and strategy is doing nothing for Sean Spears. So what do you do? Do you have Sean Spears turn on Tully or do you have Tully walk out? And I don't know. But uh, Sean Spears loses to John Moxley. after the, Oh, by the way, during this match, we can't say Pac, but Pac, was on commentary, a little frustrated that he was regulated to the commentator's booth while, you know, Moxley, Spears were in the ring. After the match is over, uh, Moxley is about to go up the rampway. Kenny Omega comes out. He's got a barbed wire baseball bat and a barbed wire broom. Now, I'm sorry, man. You know, just common sense goes. You remember when Sting back in when he was first doing the crow, he would give the bat. I think he gave it to like Rick Steiner or somebody. And then he turned around and took his eyes off him. And he even think he put his arms out to see if he would get hit with the baseball bat and nothing happened. All right, cool. But when you come out with a barbed wire baseball bat and a barbed wire broom, yes, barbed wire hurts no matter what the fuck it's on. But if you're going to toss one of them, to your new arch rival, your hardcore arch rival, and you're doing it so they can brawl, um, why would you give, in suspension of disbelief, someone a barbed wire baseball bat? I could fucking kill you if I hit you with a, bar- with a baseball bat, period. If I hit you with a broom, if I connect in the right area of your temple, I might be able to kick you, but there is a good possibility that broom may just snap in half. So if you're going to toss something to your foe to, you know, to try to give it like, you know, hey, you know, let's go toe to toe. Let's brawl. You give him the fucking broom. You keep the fucking bat. Unless it was the, you know, NWO plastic bat. But uh, Ben saying the broom has a better reach. I don't give a shit. If I'm going to toss a weapon. My God, if if I'm going to have a duel with someone, we're going to fight over some chick. I challenge you to a duel. And I have a gun and a knife in my hand. And I give that person a weapon because we want the duel to be fair. Am I going to give him the fucking gun or am I going to give him the knife? I'm sorry.
I didn't like that. But before they could even have any brawling, the crowd was chanting, holy shit, because they wanted to see that go down. But before they could even brawl, Pac has a chair, runs down the rampway, hits Omega from behind, knocks Omega down. Uh, Moxley seemed a little annoyed at it because Moxley wanted to go toe-to-toe. I mean, you want to beat the fuck out of someone, you know, they're down, it's an advantage. But Moxley didn't like that, uh, you know, Omega was down because of Pac, so Pac scatters away. Moxley is standing over Omega. He's got the bat in his hand. We're wondering what the hell's going to happen next. And Moxley just drops the bat and walks away. That's it. You know, wasn't bad, but um, wasn't bad. You know what I mean? It just felt like something was missing. I don't know if you agree with me, but it felt like something was missing. And I'm not talking about it was missing a glass coffee table. And you would think after being, uh, you know, put through a glass coffee coffee table last week, that if you're standing over that person with a barbed wire baseball bat, maybe you just like hit him once and then walk away. I don't know. You know what it is. The story is going to be that Moxley wants the hardcore and Omega stood toe to toe and it's fucking brawl and, you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. So now we have the main event. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara versus Hangman Page and Dustin Rhodes. You know, match was not bad. Um, Guevara obviously needs a little more seasoning. He's definitely an up-and-coming star. But aligning him with Jericho definitely helps him. But he does look a little bit out of Page right now. And speaking of Page, I don't know. Adam Page after that title match. I don't know where this where I don't know what they where they see Adam Page because not for nothing, man, there was a lot more buzz about Hangman Page a month and a half ago. And it's not just because he had the championship match. There was a buzz around his name, obviously not the buzz that, you know, AEW wants at this time. You know, wait a little while. But uh, match ends up in a clusterfuck. Uh, Chris Jericho and Guevara actually defeated Dustin Rhodes and Adam Page after the match. You know, you had Santana Ortiz come out and they're fucking, you know, getting involved. This leads to, you know, MJF hitting the ring and then at one point, they got the upper hand. Cody came out, tried to help uh, Dustin and um, Paige, but they got the upper hand on Cody. They had Cody uh, held, and MJF was in the ring. He had the chair, and it kind of reminded me of, of uh, Shane Douglas. Remember the storyline where Terry Funk and the Sandman um, were beating the fuck out of Cactus Jack? And then Shane Douglas hit the ring, and he's got the, um, I don't know if he had the chair or a Singapore cane, but I think he had the chair. And they were holding Cactus Jack, and I remember Woman was telling him, like, you know, they could be the new triple threat, and, you know, anyway, the bottom line is they kind of teased for a minute that Shane Douglas was going to hit Cactus Jack, but instead, no, it was a title belt. He was going to hit him with a title belt. And um, he then, instead of hitting Cactus Jack, which was his friend, he hit Sandman and Terry Funk. And this led ultimately down the line, a tag team match uh, with Shane Douglas and Cactus Jack. And then ultimately they would turn and blah, blah, blah. It kind of felt like that tonight. 
So you had MJF that was kind of teasing that he might hit Cody with the chair, but instead he hit Santana Ortiz, and he's helping, uh, you know, Cody, the Young Bucks come out. They chase everybody off. But uh, the spot of the night, non-wrestling-wise, that everybody got a kick. I thought it was cool as well. As Jericho is going up the rampway, Darby Allen comes down the rampway on the skateboard and nails Jericho. It looked good because you saw him coming and he just fucking shot down that rampway. He didn't fall off the skateboard. It was picture perfect. And it was entertaining. You know, again, two weeks in a row, I thought they did a great job. If you watched tonight, didn't know anything about AEW's hype the last year. If you haven't watched wrestling for a long time, if you were in a bubble and had no idea what was going on in the wrestling world, I think if I would have told you that this promotion's only been on TV for two weeks, you would be like, no way. I saw people online ripping their production, ripping this, ripping that. They're on fucking TV two weeks. What do you want? Seriously, what the... I promised that I would cut down the strong language because I've been offered to do satellite radio for people that don't know. Not until early next year, but I have to pretty much eliminate the strong language. But for now, I mean, what the fuck do you want? Two weeks on TV. Do you want a polished production raw where they can uh, qualify for an award? What the hell did you want? My God. Yeah, WWE with the wrestlers in the back with the cell phones doing promos and stuff like that. I didn't see people bitching about that for the most part. What do you want from AEW after two weeks? I mean, my God, a restaurant just opens up, all right? Yeah, all right, the, the service might be a little bit slow. Maybe the food is not properly presented perfectly, but it's fresh and everything's cooked the right way. And maybe, you know, the menu is not exactly the way you want it to be. What do you expect? You expect a restaurant to open up and it's supposed to win some type of food award after two weeks? The fuck do you want? Stop acting like a crack addict that it has to be the most unbelievable. Be happy. Be happy that you got a hybrid of the TV wars. You know, I reiterated this many times in the past. There's a lot of young fans out there that either were not alive or were too young to be wrestling fans, or maybe you just weren't wrestling fans back then, and you missed the Monday Night Wars. And WWE for years now, have been hyping the Monday Night War. That's all you see, 18 fucking chapters series on the network, and I'm exaggerating. You know, all this stuff. What about Jared? What about the other? What about Sting? What about Goldberg? What about this? I mean, they shoved it down your throat for the last bunch of years when the network first started because they knew that would grab people. So what happened? All of the past three, four, five years that WWE has been shoving it down people's throats because of the network. What do everybody say? I want that. I want that. I didn't get that. I want that. I want that. I need that. I want that. So now you get NXT and AEW airing in the same night at the same time. And now people are over-hyping this as the wars, of course, is a war. WWE, even if AEW were the kindest, most politically correct, the most gentle, 
offering flowers and candy and hot chocolate to everybody in WWE. They can air free commercials hyping up SmackDown's Draft Friday and Raw. They could tell everybody, look, AEW fans, I get up Jim Ross say, if you're not happy with what you're watching right now, you could go to watch NXT on the USA now. They can be the most giving people out there. You know, in NXT, we'll take off this week so you could get all of the rest. They could be the nicest fucking people in the world. You know what WWE management wants to do with that? They want to knock them out of business. They don't want them fucking around. They don't want to give AEW the chance of getting any momentum. No. WWE wants every dollar from every fan and every rating imaginable. It's business. It's not personal. Of course, they issued the press release last week. I saw people writing, oh, I never in a million years would ever expect to see WWE write that. Motherfucker, every time Triple H is getting interviewed, he's being asked about AEW. They threw that out there to fucking blow their load. So now nobody could say, WWE, they, they can't admit that AEW's around because they're afraid. They, you're just angry because they blew their load. Now you can't fucking use that anymore. But... WWE, Jericho knows, Jim Ross knows, Cody knows, and I think Tony Khan deep down inside knows that no matter how nice they are, no matter how much they ignore WWE and they just want to concentrate on their own product, they know that at that particular moment, WWE is doing everything they can to knock AEW out of business. Now, they're not going to put a fucking horse's head in fucking Tony Khan's mailbox and ship it UPS. They're not going to fucking send bomb threats to the AEW arena. They're not going to fucking threaten to break people's legs if they wrestle in AEW. The only way they could do it is by convincing fans to watch NXT instead of AEW. You might hear a little thing here and there, and it happened to TNA back in the day, that TNA would want to work do a show in a particular area and WWE pulled, you know, their, their cards and, you know, the building was not available. I'm sure a lot of you remember that. WWE does not want to give AE, you know, the wrestlers, a lot of the wrestlers, WWE, AEW, indies, old school, new school, retired, you know, young, new, old, whatever. They all say the same thing. This is great for the fans. And this is great for the wrestlers because more competition, more ratings, hopefully more money for everybody, more opportunity. I absolutely agree. This is good. The only people that have a problem with it is WWE management. That's the only ones. Tony Khan, Cody, Jericho, Jim Ross, they know don't poke the bear. Tony Khan's got to be careful with his interviews as well. Tony Khan is being a huge cheerleader for AEW, and he definitely deserves a boatload of credit. The guy's a likable guy, and the guy is an intelligent guy. I know people out there that like to say, oh, it's daddy's money. Yeah, you're just bitter because your father won't even give you $5 to fucking go buy a Playboy magazine. You know what I mean? Tony Khan is a smart man. But at the same time, though, you got to be careful of how you cheerlead your wrestlers. Because when he makes the comment, like I said last week, that their wrestlers are better than the NXT wrestlers, stupid. 
I had to quote Randy Orton. Stupid, 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 stupid. Absolutely stupid. Unnecessary. You don't need to word it that way because you just light a fire under the NXT wrestlers and you give management even more of a reason. You know, to me, Finn Balor, do you think Finn Balor in NXT is better than Finn Balor on the main roster? For us, yeah, we fantasize Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, Finn Balor versus this person. Finn Balor, of course, would look. we would love to see that. Finn Balor versus Walter, I think people would get a kick out of that. But Finn Balor was one of the most popular over wrestlers on the main roster. He's got the fucking demon character as well. Finn Balor is not a guy that just can't fit in in WWE and can't click with the fans, so they got to send him down. He's not that guy. That's why they put him in NXT. Don't you get it? Finn Balor is one of the most over guys, and they put him in NXT because now you got a guy that is already big time over with the fans, and now he's going to blow his load in NXT. That's WWE just toying, saying, look, motherfucker, we could put anybody we want. Kevin Owens, he could have lost that match with Shane McMahon and show up in NXT. There's so many names that could pop up in NXT. Anyway, speaking of NXT, you know, at the same time, you had Private Party killing it with the Young Bucks. You had Drew Gulak and Leo Rush killing it for NXT. I mean, last week, it, it was not even close. Riddle and Cole stole the show. They they it, they were the just an awesome match to open up NXT. This week, I mean, I lean towards Private Party and the Young Bucks that much better. Drew Gulak and Leo Rush was a great match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Leo Rush has had a lot of issues behind the scenes with fans, the perception of Leo Rush. And what was the shame about it is that Leo Rush is a talented motherfucker, not just on the mic, but in the ring as well. And I'm when I say on the mic, I don't just mean wrestling promos. I'm sure you have heard some of his music lately, but they tore it up. And to me, Leo Rush tonight was made. And I don't know if anybody understands when I say that. He won the Cruiserweight Championship. But to me, Leo Rush, I think, really got rid of that stigma about himself. The guy has had great matches in NXT in the past. He's had great matches in 205 Live. You know, it, I, it's not that this is his breakout match or anything. He fucking put it all together tonight, won the Cruiserweight Championship. When that crowd gave him an ovation and you saw that smile on his face, you knew that smile was really genuine. You almost felt like a weight was lifted from Leo Rush's shoulders. And I liked at the end William Regal coming out to present Leo Rush with the title. Drew Gulak pulls the title away from Leo Rush. They exchange some words. Basically, Drew Gulak wants to be the one to present the title to Leo Rush. Uh, classy, and they really fucking tore, the, tore it down. I mean, two weeks in a row, their opening match, arguably, 
Well, you know what? After seeing the main event for NXT, I guess you could say Drew Gulak and Leo Rush. Probably the second best match of the night. But I loved it. And props to Leo Rush. And I still say, I still say, if this motherfucker didn't fuck up his shit on the main roster, come on. What about my idea I said last week? Seriously. When Lashley was playing tonsil hockey with Lana last week, could you imagine if Leo Rush was on the side going, Lashley, Lashley. Could you imagine in the hotel room when the lights went out and you hear Lashley, Lashley. I think the fucking crowd would have ate it up. It would have been so funny. It would have taken a dumb storyline that we feel really bad about for Rusev. And I know what some people are saying right now. You think you weren't going to talk Ron Smackdown? I'm talking about Leo Rush for a minute. And I understand that, you know, this whole storyline, people are really sympathetic for Rusev right now. And that's the whole design of the storyline because they're trying to con- to create sympathy for Rusev, not just in the wrestling storyline, but in people's hearts outside of wrestling. And... Leo Rush, I think, would have made the segments a lot lighter. And I think it would have been gold. But we don't get that. Next, we had um, some promos. Um, They were hyping up uh, Finn Balor now being part of NXT. Um, We had another video. uh, And then we had Rhea Ripley uh, versus Aaliyah with Vanessa. I mean, honestly, of all the matches of the night, this one was basically the one to go take a leak. It was really not all that great. It was pretty much, to me, a squash match. After the match, Rhea Ripley calls out Shayna Baszler. She wants uh, Shayna Baszler. You could see NXT, the last two weeks, what they're doing. They're trying to create multiple opponents for champions. And, and if you look closely, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, you know, they want Shayna Baszler. And then you got Balor. And you got Ciampa. They want Cole. So you see multiple challengers for champions. And that'll spark up some three ways, some two ways. But um, next, we have Brazongo come out. And uh, I'm seriously considering taking their theme music and putting it as a ringtone. I got this customer. Now, anybody that listens to Breakfast Soup, you know, I talked about one of these gangster customers I had who unfortunately died of cancer a couple of months ago. But, you know, he ripped me off for some money. And he used to call me up and he'd be like, Hey, how you doing? This is Tommy. Hey, how you doing, Anthony? This is Tommy. And I'll be there with the money in an hour. And he'd never fucking show up. And then he got cancer. And then I felt like an asshole asking for the money. And then he passed away. And I never got my money. That theme music for Brazongo today is like the perfect music for some of these fucking Howie Beach gangster customers that I have. I love that music. I like the entrance. Unfortunately, though, Brazongo uh, had to be fed to the Forgotten Sons. They were supposed to face the Everise, but then you had ja- uh, Jackson Riker dragging them out. And then the Forgotten Sons got the match instead. So Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake, they beat Brazongo uh, very, you know, handedly. And I know, I know, a lot of Don Tony signs tonight. 
three different we saw three different fans having Don Tony signs. My buddy Andrew nine one four sitting ringside. It was cool. He wore the uh, I'm a Don Tony guy shirt early in the night. Then he must have went to take a leak, and then he put on a breakfast soup shirt. And then he had a Wednesday night Donomite sign, and then he had a Don Tony sign. It was fucking great, man. Andrew, much love, my friend. But Brazongo pretty much gets squashed. Promo by Keith Lee. Keith Lee is... Uh, Keith Lee versus Walter. I want to see that air in the Wednesday Night Wars. I don't know. Chat room, what do you think? Keith Lee versus Walter? Tell me that wouldn't be like a Clash of the Titans hyped up for NXT. I And look, I don't want anybody to say to me, and you faced before. And you did that. And you did that. I'm talking about Wednesday Night Wars. So, ah, but anyway, getting back to NXT, you know, we had this match between uh, Boa comes out. What was it Cameron Grimes? I, I don't know what the fuck that was. Boa, you know, getting a little polite reaction. You know, he's an Asian wrestler. He basically got destroyed. I mean, you know, it just it really didn't amount to anything. I don't know why they put that on as filler. Especially, and yes, I know, and people has been listening to me for a while, way before WWE issued in their press release last week. I've been saying for a while, for AEW, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I did find it cool that WWE wrote that in their press release last week, but it is. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So WWE feels, in the short term, they can put things like that during their product. But, you know, you have AEW start building two, three, four, five weeks in a row, beating NXT handedly. You know, that that's going to annoy WWE. When Jericho did that interview last week, it said that Vince McMahon was definitely pissed off that he lost that week in, a, in the wars. I believe it a thousand percent. I fucking hate it if I see a couple of less listeners tuning into any products that I do. I see the week before and I see a little bit of a drop ever. I'm like, you know, why? I don't understand. What the fuck? And I'll do whatever I have to do to amp it up a notch even more. Of everything tonight, the one guy in NXT that a lot of you probably don't know anything about that I think has it. It's not there yet, but he's on his way. And you remember, I used to say that about EC3 when he first was in TNA. Damian Priest. There's just something about this guy, his look, his voice. He's decent in the ring. Just something about Damian Priest that if he gets a little bit more together, that guy's going to be a star. Now, I know... You know, some people may kind of call him like the Latino Baron Corbin. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Maybe because of his height and his physique and, you know, little. but Damian Priest, man. He cut the promo on Pete Dunne while he was walking down the street. I I like the look. I like the voice. I think uh, he's on his way. I think of everybody tonight, and don't get me wrong, Walter versus Kushida, was fucking awesome. But unfortunately, I don't know if Kushida will ever be on the Shinsuke Nakamura WWE Universe acceptance level. 
and hopefully you all know what I'm talking about here. Please, Kushida is so goddamn talented, it's not even funny. But to me, Kushida, it feels like there's a ceiling. Um, Walter is a beast. Walter, and, and I'm waiting. You knew, you knew, you knew some of these goofs out there was going to say that, oh, Vince McMahon wants Cain Velasquez to get in better shape because Jericho called them skinny fat. Motherfucker, that's how Cain Velasquez always looked. Vince knew what he looked like before he hired him. It's not like all of a sudden he gained 20 pounds. I'm waiting for the goofs now to say that Vince wants Walter to tone down a little bit, get a little bit more cut. You know, there's those extra rolls. Watch. You think I'm lying? Watch. Watch. You're going to see it. But anyway, Damian Priest cuts his promo. Next, you had NXT North American champion Roderick Strong retain his title against Isaiah uh, Scott, the swerve. Let me tell you something, man. Isaiah Scott tonight, and I have seen people in the past say this guy is going to be a star, and I have had some people in the past say this guy sucks. He, He's like if you compared him to a free throw shooter in the NBA. He's like 50% at the free throw line. You know what I mean? Like it's hit or miss with him. But tonight, I don't think anybody alive ever expected the level of, you know, match, quality of match that Roderick Strong and Isaiah Scott had tonight. It was great. Scott having some very surprising early dominance on Strong. I don't think anybody thought there was any chance of Roderick Strong losing the belt Maybe it was non-title, but Isaiah Scott really showed something tonight. I know he's going to get lost in the shuffle by a lot of other reviewers out there. That guy fucking amped it up tonight. He proved that he belonged. And this is something people need to realize, too. There are a boatload of NXT stars you haven't seen yet. There are a boatload of NXT women you haven't seen yet. Now, on the opposite end, sure, AEW hasn't had Orange Cassidy, hasn't had Luchasaurus on yet. Yes, they did the AEW Dark and everything, but you almost feel like next week, AEW's got to put these two guys on television. You know, you can't just keep, you know, I know you want to set the foundation and they're trying to establish some specific storylines, but, you know, I think you need to start incorporating some of those guys as well. Um, but anyway, you had Roderick Strong get the victory. After that, he's cutting a promo. Adam Cole, Undisputed Era come out. They're cutting a promo. They're interrupted by Velveteen Dream. And yeah, you know, not the most appropriate photo to put on television, but it was funny as hell. Velveteen Dream mocking, making fun of Roderick Strong basically saying that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't measure up, you know, in the private parts department. And they flash on the screen, the monitor, a picture of Roderick Strong, completely naked, and it just blurs out his penis area. But when they blurred it, they they photoshopped it so it looked like he had no dick. And as I said earlier, I think they just took a picture of Brad Shepard's dick and just, you know, put it there instead. But when they put, you know, that little sensor logo, like right the sensor used to have, 
That fucking sensor logo was maybe the size of a half a dollar. It was so small. It was so funny. And, you know, it was hilarious. And this is setting up, I think, in two weeks, it's going to be Roderick Strong versus Velveteen Dream. So Tommaso Ciampa, who had come out after Velveteen Dream cut his promo on Roderick Strong, Tommaso Ciampa's music hits, he comes to the ring, Undisputed Era, takes a walk outside the ring. They're backtracking. And all Tommaso Ciampa basically says is, Goldie, daddy's home. Basically say that he has officially returned. And then we had the backstage. We had Kathy Kelly trying to interview Ciampa. Angel Garza tries to hit on her. He says some shit, I think it's Spanish. And you had Ciampa lay him out. So next week we have Ciampa versus Garza. You know it's going to be pretty much a squash match. But it's just to get Ciampa back on TV. Which which is what he needs to be. Um, But funny, funny photo with Velveteen Dream. Next, we had Dakota Kai versus Bianca Belair. Not a bad match. You know, the commercial breaks kind of like ruined the momentum of the match for me. And, you know, I need to say this too. I don't know if it was just me, but last week I had a real problem with the number of commercial breaks that AEW took and the amount of commercials that they had. Now, unfortunately, no one out there took the time, including me, to check how many commercial breaks they made, how long these commercials were compared to WWE Raw or SmackDown. But I will say this. This week, the commercials were much, much better as far as managed. It was managed a whole lot better this week. And you didn't have Jim Ross literally convincing people, please, we're going to go to commercial, but don't go anywhere. We'll be all right. I mean, we'll, oh, we might have to go to a commercial a few minutes. They knocked that shit out immediately. And it was just, hey, you had to go to commercial, you had to go to commercial. It didn't feel like it hurt much tonight. I thought it was great. Um, but we had Dakota Kai versus Bianca Belair. Match was decent. Could have went, you know, a little bit better with the commercials. That was the only match I think I had a problem with with the commercials more than anything. But in the end, Bianca Belair gets the win. After the match is over, she gets on the mic and she's calling out Shayna Baszler. So, as I mentioned before, you know Shayna Baszler uh, has multiple people trying to get her NXT title. Then we had the main event. Before that, we had another Finn Balor promo package, I should add. But the main event, Walter versus Kushida. Walter is the NXT UK champion. And for anybody out there who have never seen Walter perform before, look, I up until recently, I said Walter, uh, Pete Dunne was my favorite match so far this year. Um, now, obviously, my, my mind was changed last week, and I was surprised at how many people agreed with me. And if you don't know what that match was, you have to, uh, unfortunately, tune into the SmackDown recap I did last week. I won't say which match it was, but... Kushida versus Walter is one of those matches that the diehard big-time wrestling fans, the hardcore wrestling fans want to see. That I don't think that was designed for the WWE Universe. I don't know if casual Raw and SmackDown fans would have appreciated Walter versus Kushida. Number one, because they're not household names. Number two, because they're very plain 
in their look and their their character. So although fans would enjoy it, I think unless there's someone named Cesaro or Styles or someone else in that match, I don't think it, they would have um, gotten the same response. But as far as NXT goes, they put on an absolutely awesome match and uh, they killed it. They absolutely killed it. So uh, match went long. And once again, NXT goes overtime. Uh, you know, I don't know if this is going to be a constant weekly thing for NXT, but, you know, this idea of ending at 10-10 every single week, I'm not liking it. They go to these commercial breaks, and I'm looking at the time, and Walter versus Kushida hasn't even started yet, and it's 10 minutes to 10, and I was hoping that there would be no commercial break this week. But, um... Shezzy, no sound on Discord. I don't know what to tell you. That's got to be a Discord thing. It's definitely not me. But, uh, you know, I, I just hope NXT stops with these 10-10 um, airings. Because, look, AEW, you see how they're going off the air. They're not going off the air with two Japanese wrestlers tearing it up, straight-up wrestling, you know, no interference, no nothing. It just goes to you know, uh, to the main stars of AEW having the brawls and it's the NWO type finishes and the groups battling the groups. That's how AEW is going off the air. So when you have those fans from AEW going off the air, if they do change the channel to see the last 10 minutes of NXT, you know, they're getting Walter versus Kushida, which was fucking awesome. They tore it up. But if you look at the entertainment element of AEW going off the air, and then you go to Walter versus Kushida, it is a very stiff match, very evenly matched, very, you know, just, just they really put on an awesome effort. But still, you're in a different mode, a different frame of mind with AEW going off the air. It's not, you know, look, I don't like to use the word clusterfuck right now because it hasn't gotten to that point yet. But I don't think... Going from a clusterfuck to Walter versus Kushida is going to do a lot for a lot of fans out there. And think of the fact also, I don't know how much of the overrun was next week, uh, last week. No one actually posted what the overrun was. We don't even know how many additional fans tuned in to see Private Party versus Undisputed Era last week. I don't know how many fans tuned in after AEW to watch Kushida versus Walter, but I'll tell you this, and I don't mean any disrespect to Kushida versus Walter, but if I'm a big-time AEW fan right now and AEW is doing enough for me and AEW is my first choice, changing the channel and seeing Kushida versus Walter is not going to get me to tune into NXT next week before AEW. Now, if you have Finn Balor in the ring and he's challenging Adam Cole and Ciampa is in the ring and he's challenging this or you have a, a, a bigger household name and you're doing a little pull apart or something to close out NXT, all right. Then you might think, oh, okay, you know, I'm interested to see what happens the following week. So I, I don't like this overrun that NXT is doing. And I'll make a prediction. Within a few weeks, that overrun is done. I don't see that overrun continuing much longer. I don't like it. I don't think it's needed. 
you know, if your fans are going to tune in, they're going to tune in. And you're, I don't think you're going to AEW is going to lose any fans because someone saw a 10 minute uh, remainder of a match between Kushida versus Walter. After last week with Street Profits versus Undisputed Era, do you think watching that match, how organized it was, it was an entertainment match. They they busted their asses, but you don't have the brawls into the crowd. You don't have you know a lot of the unexpected. The this is probably the best way I could put it. NXT's in a, in Full Sail University. It's a very small crowd. It's an intimate crowd. Very energetic crowd. Very dedicated crowd. Perfect. But uh, NXT doesn't have that raw feeling. And I don't mean Monday Night Raw. I mean that raw feeling. Like anything could happen and, you know, just unexpectedness and brawling here and this, this, and that. They need more disorganization. It is too manufactured. It is too organized. I think NXT needs to start really becoming disorganized. I hope people understand what I mean when I say that. But the matches are too much in the ring. Too much. So we'll see what happens. But those were your two shows today. Absolutely love both of them. Now, I know what a lot of you are going to say. Um, if I had to put a gun to my head, which show did I like more? I'll be honest with you, man. Even though it went off the air the way it did, I have to tell you this week I enjoyed AEW more than NXT. I was happy for Leo Rush. The main event on NXT was great. You know, bringing some some wrestlers out there that, you know, a lot of people have never seen before. I mean, you saw some wrestlers really shine when they got that opportunity. And you don't get that opportunity all that often right now. And as I mentioned last week, I agree wholeheartedly with what Carlito said. You know, he, he kind of feels bad for the NXT stars because right now, the reason you're in NXT is to hone your craft to one day make it to the main roster, you know, to be a big-time WWE superstar. And you already have the pressure of trying to be a big-time star, and now you have the pressure that you have to compete with another Fed. So you got to feel bad for some of those really up-and-coming NXT wrestlers because they were not expected to have to compete with another promotion out there. But, hey, I know a lot of people are digging this Wednesday Night War. And keep in mind that we're talking about not Raw versus Nitro. We're not talking WCW versus WWF. We're not talking TNA versus WWE. We're talking a brand new promotion with only two weeks under, the, under their belt versus, if you want to call it, WWE's minor leagues. That's your war. You imagine if AEW blew it up and really did take it to the next level and be a legitimate number two and then went up against Raw or SmackDown? That is where the war fucking just goes insane. So right now, the fact that you're enjoying it, and we're talking about a brand new promotion, and WWE's minor league system, great time to be a wrestling fan. It's a great time. A lot of the names are not household names, but so what? So what? By the way, I mentioned earlier AEW Dark. That is a show that they put online. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. And it's dark matches. 
from last week's AEW Dynamite. And the matches were Darby Allen versus Seema, the Hybrid 2 and Lucha Brothers versus uh, Private Party and Best Friends, Dr. Brick Baker, DMD, and Allie versus Bea Priestley and Penelope Ford. By the way, Britt Baker, I think, got a mouse under her eye tonight. Um, it looked like it was swelling up a little bit when she was going to the back. So uh, don't be surprised if Britt Baker is showing off photos of a, you know, a black eye or a big mouse under her eye tomorrow. And you had SCU versus Jurassic Express. Not bad. Not bad. So, yes, you would prefer some of those names to be on the main show right now. But the fact that you get to see them on YouTube it's not it's not that bad. So go check it out. A couple other details for those that live in the Texas, Garland, Texas area. AEW is going to be performing live December 11th at the Metroplex. That is uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 12 noon. Um, also, I don't know if you guys saw this. I saw a picture of it. I thought it was pretty cool. Because, you know, it's just a silhouette and you would never even know that it was this person. But just to show you how much they appreciate Jerry Lynn, that uh, last week in an interview, Matt Jackson revealed that on the side plates of the AEW tag team titles, they actually have Jerry Lynn performing a move. Oh, and you see somebody's posting a picture. Yeah, Britt Baker's already on social media posting that mouse. Knew it. I knew it. But, uh, you know, she's still cute, even with the mouse. Even though her mouth looks a little crooked. Anyway, um, but no, the, the belts, to see that silhouette of Jerry Lynn, pretty cool. I think that was pretty cool. Now, last week, oh, another thing. We didn't have any god-awful actor segments, interviews at ringside, no celebrities, no, you know, nothing. Not needed, but Kevin Smith. Uh, hyping up last week, Jay and Silent Bob on AEW, which absolutely was piss poor pathetic. He was interviewed on the Rich Eisen show, and he claims, now people say he revealed, I use the word claims. He claims that they were supposed to be on Friday Night SmackDown, but when WWE found out that they appeared at AEW Dynamite, that they pulled their appearance. I'm sorry, man. I go back and I look at SmackDown last week, I don't think a plug for Jay and Silent Bob was in the plans. And I personally think even if it was, they probably canceled it because their appearance in AEW was god-awful, drizzling shit garbage. So, good. Good. Go on AEW more so we don't have to fucking see you, you know, plug your movie in other promotions. It was horrendous. Now, MLW, you know, they they have a little bit of news going on. First off, they signed an up-and-coming wrestler, Gio Medina, to a multi-year contract. Now, Corp Bauer is obviously overhyping him as possibly the next biggest second-generation superstar and blah, 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 blah. Uh, He is nowhere near that. But he's very talented. He's only 23 years old, and he is going to be performing for MLW. November 2nd in Chicago at the Cicero Stadium. MLW is going to have Saturday Night Super Fight. And so far they have advertised Jacob Fatu versus L.A. Park in an ODQ match for the MLW title. You have Alex Hammerstone versus Davey Boy Smith Jr. for the MLW National Openweight title. 
Tom Lawler versus Timothy Thatcher, and a lot of people are rumor have rumors that Teddy Hart versus Austin Aries for the MLW middleweight title will air as well. Now, I get a kick out of these sites that are saying that the uh, MLW Super Saturday Night Super Fight only only cost nineteen ninety five, and you could watch it on Fight TV. Only nineteen ninety five. Honestly. I don't know anybody, no disrespect to MLW, but I don't know anybody right now that shells out $19.95 to watch MLW. Maybe live in New York, but as far as pay-per-view goes, yeah, $19.95 for them, $40 for this, $9.99 here. There's a, the, no way. No way. That's why Impact Wrestling, they're fucking nuts. They are nuts. To continue dragging on this shit with Killer Cross. I'll, I'll make a prediction. I will predict that before the end of the year, that contract, I, w- I would even say by Thanksgiving, by Thanksgiving, that contract issue with Killer Cross will be resolved. The amount of money that's involved, I won't get in particulars. I've seen all the papers. The amount of money that's involved, if it was ever revealed, uh, I'm not saying 50 bucks, it's not that, but the amount of money involved, you would just ask yourself, are you fucking nuts to hire lawyers? And I'm sure they already have lawyers that do this stuff, but the lawyers still charge by the hour probably. The amount of money that's involved is, I it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And Impact Wrestling is bound for glory coming up. And to me, they have zero momentum right now. And even if this stuff would kill across Never happened. And look, if he was on the card, obviously it would be a little bit different. But if he ended up that he would have left Impact along with Scarlett Bordeaux and there was no contract dispute whatsoever, if you look at Impact Wrestling right now, to me, what stands out about them? Seriously, if you really think about it, what really stands out? Other than, you know, we might have a female Impact Wrestling heavyweight champion. Other than that, really, I just, sorry. To me, it just feels like they have totally lost their identity. I remember people who were super excited for the six-sided ring, the X division, the the those X division matches, Ultimate X and all this other stuff. And now you see matches. It's like TJP versus someone else. You got blah, blah, blah versus someone else. Oh, that's nice. Oh, you got a couple of ECW guys. Oh, that's nice. Their identity is dead. Seriously. I mean, Tessa Blanchard is talented. She is a star. She's a big star in the making. But to think that your promotion is going to survive overtaking, forget WWE, but AEW is basically stealing all your fans right now. And when you see Ring of Honor, who is just like, I don't remember, what what is it, a caterpillar? What's the fucking bug that you could cut into five pieces and the thing still walks and it won't die? Is it a caterpillar? Ring of Honor is like the caterpillar of wrestling. That fucking thing won't die. I mean, they they pair up with New Japan and you could see, obviously, it's almost like when a fat guy, like a 350-pound fucking podcaster goes out with a 90-pound fucking model 
and you're looking at it and you're like, okay, something's wrong here. And then you realize that the fucking guy paid the 90 pound model to go on a date with him. You know, some things just, you may, when you see them apart, you don't think something's up. But when they're together, you're like, what the fuck? That's what Ring of Honor was with New Japan. I'm not talking about Conrad, President Trump. I'm actually cool with Conrad. All right. I agree with a lot of his business tactics. I've debate Mish and some others. Some others out there, you know, they want to talk on both sides of their mouth because they want everybody to, to like them. But me, I say it point blank. A lot of what Conor, Conrad does, I say Conor, Conrad does with StarCast and everything, I have zero problem with. Um, I, I Look, I haven't done a podcast free for everyone where I could even talk about StarCast and Conrad and other stuff. I mean, it's always usually Patreon shows. But... You know, my God, I go back to the Mass Maniac in USA Pro Wrestling in the early 2000s. And, you know, when he would have, you know, these ticket seller matches, these would be people that had no business wrestling in the ring, but had some experience and wanted to be part of a show. And he would say, okay, if you really want to be on this show, you got to sell 50 tickets. And the tickets were 10 or 20 bucks a piece. And you had to, by a certain day, I had to give the promoter the money thousand dollars so somebody would be part of a bullshit battle royal that would air very very early in the night before the official show and you know those ticket sellers would pay almost the salaries of almost all the major stars there nobody put a gun to the ticket sellers heads you think when i first started doing on-air stuff you think i did it because i was popular i was able to get 200 people to go to the fucking show then he realized, okay, you know, we could actually, you know, make some money over here. And then I got involved doing some work with him behind the scenes. I made money with the Mass Maniac. He made me money. And I always appreciated that. But nobody put a gun to the ticket seller's heads to pay $1,000 so they could wrestle in a bullshit battle royal at 7 o'clock in the evening. Because No, they wanted to be on the show that bad. So when you have StarCast and you have Podcast Row... And you have all these fucking schmucks on YouTube and blog talk radio and all these other places who claim they got crazy hits. But for some reason, you know, and they go on a, a different fucking channel that actually monitors the, the number of people. They can't even get past 10 listeners and they all want to be part of podcast row and you get no fucking publicity at all. And somebody says, OK, look, if you want to be part of podcast row, you got to give me two thousand dollars. That's pretty much me saying, you know what? You don't do anything for us. We're going to probably have to give you bottled water. We're probably going to have to smell you. I mean, what do you give us in return? But I got a website. I got a YouTube. I got a podcast. Look, I got a headset. Look, I'm a podcaster. I'm a superstar. I'm, a, I'm an icon. You don't got fucking a following. So you're going to sit on podcast row and do what? You're going to go to your fucking Thanksgiving dinner with your family and there's going to be more people sitting at your dinner table that watch that listen to your shows every week. So, of course, you got to pay to sit there. Now, I debate Mish all the time. I totally respect what Mish says. Mish thinks that I am wrong big time. Um, Joey Numbers thinks I'm on drugs. John Draper disagrees with me. Kev, I don't know because he disagrees with me and then he says he was just ha ha So then he agreed with me. And then when he agrees with me and then I, I don't know what he thinks. But um, most of my inner circle, 
And they're not circle jerks. They're good people. The DTKC soup inner circle, they disagree with me. But me, I think it makes sense. And for the record, if I would have went to Podcast Row because I was invited to the first StarCast, I did not have to pay. And I'm trying to go to Baltimore. Don't know yet. I wonder, all of you that live in the New York area, um, you know what? Mish, uh, I don't think, had to pay either. I want to make that clear, too. They did not, I don't think they wanted Mish to pay. Um, if they wanted Mish to pay, that's nuts. Because the amount of listeners that Wrestling Soup gets, you know, we, we always bounce back and forth. You know, one week I we get more listeners, another week they get more listeners. You look, especially on Stitcher, because that's my go-to, because me, I just can't concentrate being on this place and this place and Podbean and all. I, fuck that shit. You listen through my website, you listen through Stitcher, you listen on Pandora, iHeartRadio, you know, Discord, Patreon, that's enough. But these, these other people, they got to be on 85 different fucking areas. Look, everybody, I'm on Podbean. I don't even know what Podbean is. So I'm happy with what we got. As long as all of you continue listening and like what we do, we will continue doing it. And that's me, Kev, Soup Family, everybody. Now, let's move on to, oh, you know what, yeah. MLW, somebody mentioned to me just now. Yeah, for they're going to have an event November 9th in Florida. It is at the Guilt Nightclub, G-I-L-T. Now, it's funny because the Guilt Nightclub used to be the Roxy. And when Goodman was doing UXW event, I don't know, like seven years ago, it was the event where New Jack thought that I wrote on Facebook that I was going to fight him. I don't know if you all know the story about that. It was it was hilarious. I, and he, he apologized to me. I'm not a wrestler. All right? I've been, you know... In three matches in my life, I managed on the indie circuit about 70 events. But, you know, I was never good, but I had fun and, you know, it was cool. But, um, you know, I did a little here and there, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, Frank Goodman, about seven years ago, I think, six, seven years ago, he is going to have an event in Florida for UXW. He's going to bring a lot of New York guys there. And at the time, Low Life Louis Ramos, shout out to him. Hope he's doing well. Happy anniversary, by the way. I didn't forget. Um, we were actually talking about going Amtrak to Florida because I don't like flying. I didn't want to fly. Uh, a couple of weeks ago was the first time I flew since 1999. I don't want to fly. I'm afraid of flying. Ever since 9-11, I'm afraid to fly. So we were going to go Amtrak. And what was going to happen was I was going to manage someone that was going to take on New Jack. I don't remember who it was. But they were going to take on New Jack. I was just going to be a manager, nothing else. Somehow, something was mixed up. And somebody told New Jack that he was facing me in the ring. Now, I've always gotten along with New Jack in the past. And everybody knows, you know, the stories about, you know, the eBay and bailing him out. And when he called me up and had my car accident in 96, all that. Never had a problem with him. When he heard that Goodman was going to have him take on me. He went on my personal Facebook page and cursed me out and told me off and threatened me and would not you would not believe the ass ripping that he gave me. 
And how I found out about it was one of my friends that doesn't even follow wrestling had called me up at like two in the morning. And he said, did you check out your Facebook page? I'm like, why are you calling me at two o'clock in the morning? Now, at that time, we used to get a lot of trolls that would Photoshop like my mother's head on an 85-year-old naked body. You know, my dog that was sick at the time, they would Photoshop him on a skeleton. They would fucking do some really nasty shit. Oh, my God. It was it, What he wrote was worse than mass transit. My friend that I know since childhood calls me up at two o'clock in the morning. He's like, did you check out your Facebook page? Now my immediate reaction was, ah, these fucks are, are spamming my page again. He's like some black guy is threatening to fucking slice you up and kill you. And I'm like, huh? I go on my Facebook page and new Jack is ripping the fuck out of me. I'm fucking retired. I will fucking slice you. I sent him a PM. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not wrestling you. I have no intention of wrestling. I would never do that. I was like, come on, man. I would, you think I wanted to? I'm not. That's nuts. And he realized that somebody was fucking with him. So he apologized to me and we got a good laugh because remember, when the Mass Maniac did a show at the time, we would have New Jack on a lot and New Jack would fucking make, our laugh, make us laugh our asses off. New Jack is good people. But he got so angry because he thought that I wanted to face him in a match. Maybe in a video game, but I would never disrespect him. I would never disrespect wrestling fans, and I would not fucking do that to myself. No way, shape, or form. So how he even got on that, I have no idea. But there's a little growing up Don Tony story you may not have heard before. Ah, let's see. Um, Oh, so... What I was going to say to everybody out there is, uh, I don't know if our local listeners are going to be around the Woodside, Queens area, October 25th. It looks like I will be there. ICW, Jack Sabbath, is having a show called Return to the Concrete Jungle. It's going to be a 2650 Brooklyn, Queens Expressway in Woodside. That is the building for Ultimate Fitness. So obviously they're expecting a very intimate turnout. But from what's been advertised so far, Reefer will be there. You know, if anybody's ever seen the Don Tony photo, that's him posing with me. Homicide, Teddy Hart, Joe Gacy, Pinky Sanchez, Nick Gage. There's a couple other names that I know that are appearing, but they haven't announced it yet, so I'm not announcing it. Something tells me when some of those names are announced, if you're undecided, that will convince you to go. So got to let me know if you're going to be going because it looks like I will be there. Shaheen, who is done... Some of my awesome graphics, uh, nuclear graphics, he is going to be there. We're going to be hanging out. And I uh, hope you all could go. It would be a lot of fun. Now, speaking of indie stuff, um, a lot of you wanted me to talk about this. There is a local fed here called House of Glory. And the name might sound familiar for a lot of you who flew into New York, WrestleMania weekend, because originally we were all going to get together and meet up at House of Glory. But apparently Kev's contact was no longer there and couldn't get tickets. And we were going to buy tickets, but nobody could get together. And then people had to work, so it never happened. But House of Glory is a local indie promotion here in New York. And now TMZ put up a clip that Master fucking P bought the promotion. Master P! Remember, 
WCW Master P to No Limit Soldiers, he bought House of Glory. So he's on TMZ and he's like, Vince McMahon, watch out, you in trouble. He's just kidding around. My thoughts on it, House of Glory is a local indie promotion. If you notice online, almost any promotion in God's green earth could get an iPay-per-view deal. Even if they only get 10 people to tune in, they get iPay-per-view. So Master P is not taking over indie wrestling. It's not taking over anything. It's not going to be competition to MLW, Impact Wrestling, Impact uh, Stake and John Stake and wrestling promotion. It's just a local, in, and I'm not downplaying it. House of Glory is a good little promotion. It's got a nice little niche here in New York. Maybe you'll get a little more exposure online. And you know what? Good luck to Master P. I hope he enjoys it. I don't know what he expects to get out of it. The next event, November 16th, it's called No Limit. So obviously he already has his fingerprints on the show. But look, it's put out a good product. And look, the fact that Master P bought it, it's got value to it. It's not a bad promotion. But just because TMZ covers it and just because he, he's like, you know, Vince, look out, you in trouble. Eh, it's it's a local New York promotion. I, I wish it would go further, but if anybody's going to go further before that promotion, it's going to be MLW, it's going to be some others. But best of luck to him. I can't make fun of it. Look, I didn't like the whole storyline, you know, with the No Limit Soldiers. What did they used to do? Is that what he used to do? I swear on my mother, I did not do a Google or YouTube search for Master P. I have never had any of his music on my iPod. But for some reason, a horrible WCW moment just popped in my head. Was that what it is? Is that what he used to do? I think they were feuding with the West Texas Rednecks. And this fucking Matarats goes on and who do my balls, man? Tito Ortiz and Alberto El Patron. They're going to beat the fuck out of each other at an MMA showdown. It's going to take place. This is funny. At the Payne Arena. It's at the U.S.-Mexico border in Hidalgo, Texas. I think that's fucking funny, man. The U.S.-Mexico border. Now, isn't that like a, a perfect storyline in the making? Tito Ortiz versus Alberto El Patron. If Tito Ortiz does not cut a promo on illegal Mexicans fucking checking out the show before they cross the border illegally, I will fucking take a baseball bat and crack it over his head. I mean, that's like a storyline that would hit emotion so raw that they would get so behind. Uh, then again, it's the U.S.-Mexico border. It's in Texas. So I think the fans in attendance would probably not be illegal immigrants, and they probably would cheer Tito Ortiz. Come on, that's a storyline waiting to happen. Well, anyway, it's taking place December 7th, and um, you know, let's see what happens. I'm curious. The tickets are only 30 bucks and up. That's not bad. And... I want to see how Del Rio works in an MMA match. I don't know. I kind of want to see Tito Ortiz knocked out, though, just for the god-awful TNA stuff that he did. 
that aces and 0.8 stuff when he came out. Oh my God. That was right smack in that little bullshit that was going on online that time when I was just ripping and ripping on TNA for so much stuff. That Tito Ortez thing was just horrendous. Wasn't he the 10, 10, 10? Oh no, 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 no. August 1st warning. Chat room, quick. Discord. Was, wasn't Tito Ortiz the August 1st warning? Warning. I will beat up Batista. August 1st warning. 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 They should add it on August 1st. Seriously. Sarah, I, I, you know what? Patron, if he gets him like bloodied and he's like one inch away from dying, like a bad movie, he should, Patron should get him fucking microphone and say, this is for August 1st warning and just fucking put him out of his misery. That cock. Warning, 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 warning this. Christ in a toy verse. Who is a WWE talent I'd like to see in either AEW, Ring of Honor, Impact, or even NWA to maybe get better or shine or a bit more? Um, You know, the thing is, Ring of Honor, they have some great lucha talent there right now, and they can't even put it over. You know, just get on the mic and saying these fans uh, are, uh, I don't think they, they know what they're in store for. They're in store for a treat. And then they don't fucking educate anybody. So I think right now Ring of Honor is almost a lost cause. Impact, I don't trust management. I mean, if you're going to screw people out of the amount of money for merchandise and royalties and stuff... I mean, seriously, why would you risk having the same problem unless you have some big time lawyers and some advanced pay or something going on? I don't know. I don't know. See, NWA right now, I don't know what their identity is going to be. They did old school with their first power show to give the old school feel, the old school vibe. I mean, even The Rock went on social media. And it was funny because, you know, I'm not trying to start throwing shade on The Rock all the time, but you you all know that I had a big problem with the fact that for months and 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 months, you had Raw's anniversary, SmackDown's anniversary, and this motherfucker, all right, he couldn't appear live because he had movies. Fine, I totally cool with that. You mean to tell me in a hotel room? sitting on a balcony, taking in the sunset, taking a dump, standing in front of a fucking unbelievable bar. He couldn't cut a promo for a minute, you know, just giving kudos for fucking SmackDown 1000 or whatever it is. Couldn't, couldn't do that. And I look, I don't, I don't want anybody to say to me, well, you don't know if WWE wanted that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think WWE is going to turn down the opportunity for him cutting a promo on the 1000th show for the, for a show that was named because of him. No way, shape or form. But he posts on Twitter today that he watched the NWA's first episode and he loved the old school feel. And he talked about how he came up in the territories and he watched Memphis and this and that. I thought it was really cool. It was very nice at the rock, very classy. He gave props to Jim Cornette, and I was I was glad. And then I say to myself, "Oh, you had all this time to watch fucking the Power Hour, but you couldn't fucking cut an anniversary promo for thirty seconds over a three four month span, five month span. Could have cut it two years ago, because you know one thousand was coming up. We know SmackDown one thousand is gonna happen within the next year and a half. Cut promos now, save them." But it was cool. But I don't know where NWA's identity goes from here. 
I don't know if this real hardcore old school vibe is going to remain. The ring will remain the same. The setup and the crowd will remain the same. But it's if it's going to develop into something else, they're going to need to do a little more. So I think it's way too early. AEW right now, when you don't have Orange Cassidy and Luchasaurus and some others haven't even appeared yet, I think you need to get these guys on TV, wait a couple of months, see what clicks and what doesn't click, see what gels, see what is getting you know a lot of attention. Then you go from there. It's way too early to start talking about WWE guys and AEW. NWA doesn't, I think, have their identity yet. Impact seems almost lost. And Ring of Honor, I'm not impressed with. Ring of Honor... It's like the caterpillar that you've cut up five five ways and it just won't die. I don't want to see Ring of Honor die. I, I There's a core you know group of wrestlers there working hard and there is a, a core audience of 111. But, you know, none of those promotions right now, I think, need WWE guys. Now, there is a ton of misused WWE guys. But now in NXT on Wednesdays for two hours on the USA Network, we will see some WWE guys come in. Who? Besides? I don't know. But let's give it a little time. Uh, Roger Rubio. Roger Saul Goodman Rubio. What kind of unique match stipulation would I like to see AEW implement on some of their matches? I'd like to see more of the no DQs. Seriously. Because if you could have interference and clusterfucks and this is and that, have no DQs. I mean, you, if you're going to ask me to come up with specific gimmicks, if I was able to come up with unique gimmicks that haven't been done or haven't been utilized, then I should be on the payroll making fucking six figures. You know, I don't, I don't think any of us would be able to come up with, oh, this is an awesome gimmick idea, gimmick idea. I mean, look what they did with this royal flush thing with the women. Oh, these pulled the clubs. These pulled the spades. These pulled the hearts. Thank God a certain group of wrestlers didn't pull the spades because we would have had a whole war online. But, you know, oh, these pulled the heart cards and they come out. It was okay, but it was a little confusing. It's not easy to come up with gimmicks. But to me, last week, if that main event would have been no DQ, it would have had no problem with Moxley and Omega getting into it. But the idea that the camera stays on the guy who interfered in the match and all the wrestlers in the ring playing like they're sleeping and then there's no disqualification due to Moxley's interference, to me, little things like that, I might be nitpicking, but that's carelessness, in my opinion. That's not something thought out. If you're going to... Why have 10-minute time limits? Why have 20-minute time limits why try to make it sound like there's specific, important things about a match, but yet you don't instill them? That's like announcing a 10-minute time limit and a match goes 14 minutes. If you don't announce no DQ, then why not call a DQ when someone interferes? This is a brand new promotion doing that. So to me, have more no DQs. And by the way, not trying to spark any controversy, not trying to start shit up, but I ask you this question. You now have AEW. You don't have to answer it. Just think about it. You now have AEW two weeks in a row. Other than the wrestlers, other than the ownership, other than the network, and other than the fact that they're not working for WWE right now. 
Does AEW's product feel that much different than WWE? Not saying better or worse, but tell me what feels so different about it. Chris Jericho saying the word shit, of course. Having the barbed wire stuff come out there, of course. Not used, but still brought out there. Tell me what feels so much different. To me, it feels like the same product, but different stars. Look, it's like a different baseball team. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but don't try to portray that AEW is going to be completely revolutionary. Remember all this revolutionary, revolutionary, revolutionary. Fuck that. It's not broken. You don't need to fix it. Just make a better version of it. I always use the car example or a bicycle example. You know, a bicycle's been around for 100 years. All right? Over the years, they made 10 speeds, and they had gears, and they did this, and they did that. They didn't fucking recreate it with five wheels, six-sided wheels, six... six. They didn't recreate... No, they just improved what was there. That's all AEW needs to do. They don't need to reinvent the wheel. And Andrew, shout out to you, my friend. Thank you for all of uh, the advertising you did for me tonight at NXT. Everyone get used to it. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, he sits front row at all the NXT events. So unless they tell him no more Don Tony stuff, period, you will see that at ringside every week on TV. So, And he mentioned ECW One Night Stand 2006. The cameraman who was filming him in his seat kept signaling him to give the thumbs down and boo John Cena during his entrance. And yeah, I heard that from a few different people over the years. Uh, Do I know of any other promotions doing this? And if it still goes on today? Um, I don't know if it still goes on today because it would get exposed almost immediately and fans would probably rip on it. But I never forget the TNA cast members. I still have that audio and I still have the video of that. When they were, you know, basically telling all the fans in in Orlando that they're cast members and they need to, you know, go along with the show and, you know, they can't go against the grain because it confuses this. I mean, the fans just totally ripped it apart. I don't know if you all ever heard it. But if you want a treat and you never heard it before, I'm sure it's on YouTube, even though I don't know why Anthem kept having it taken down. They didn't own the compulsion at the time. Why would they care? But if it's still up there, just type in TNA cast members Orlando and watch that. Make sure you watch the unedited one, by the way. Uh, Kyle, why does AEW hold their pay-per-views on Saturdays and not Sundays? Probably a better deal. Probably a better deal. Best way I could put it. Um, plus, you know, they don't have to worry about WWE ever stealing uh, a day on them. Imagine if they did Sundays and they start working out, they get, because you know what's going to happen. You got to remember this. I know some people thought that WWE intentionally put a show on to go against AEW's event. I think it was in Florida recently. And there was a lot of friction online. Now, there's only four Sundays in a month for the most part. Sometimes it's a fifth, but it's usually four. That means WWE, once a month, usually once a month, has one of those Sundays for their show. That means AEW would have to choose from the other three. The problem is 
WWE does not call AEW and say, hey, you have December 11th. You know, is it all right if we use this date? No. Is AEW going to call WWE and say, hey, look, we're looking to do December 17th. Um, are you doing a show that day? No. We are now. No, but they're not going to check. So in my opinion, it's better for Saturdays because they don't ever have to worry about booking a pay-per-view and then just so happens WWE books the same night. And I think they probably get a better deal on Saturdays than Sundays. Hell, you know, uh, wedding halls, when you get married, when you go to book a wedding, you know, a Friday and a Saturday is much more expensive than a Sunday. And during a week, it's even cheaper because those aren't prime days. So Saturday to me is still a prime day on the weekend. But yeah, I actually... Uh, I have no problem with it. I like I like the idea it's on a Saturday. Since it debuted Tuesday, 6.05 on the YouTube page, what do I think of the new Power Show uh, with NWA? I talked about that before. What's my opinion on these three federations, MLW, Ring of Honor, Impact? I think I've covered that as well. Um, MLW, look, I'll always have that anger towards Court Bauer back in the day, but business is business. I mean, I don't have a personal vendetta against the guy, it's business. I totally get it. You know, it, it was, you know, unprofessional the way he handled it and that fucking troll Mike Johnson. But, you know, it's long gone and the guy is putting out a good product and he is giving a lot of young stars an opportunity. You know, him, you know, showcasing Brian Pillman Jr. Teddy Hart has a, a big role in there. MLW's got a good, nice little product right now. Unfortunately, I don't think... Getting nineteen ninety five for eye pay per views will be enough, especially when you see some of the wrestlers also work here and work here and work here. Remember when I brought up in the past how back in the day you'd see Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe in TNA, but here locally in New York we could also see him in five different promotions. So because we used to see him locally. You know, oh, they're on TNA uh, Impact Wrestling or NWA TNA. Oh, yeah, but I, I saw him twice already this month, live and in person. So it takes away from that aspect. And that happens a little bit now with MLW. They have some wrestlers that are also wrestling here and here and here. And look at Jack Sabbath. I just talked about ICW, October 25th. Teddy Hart is wrestling on there. Teddy Hart's also with MLW. So now if I watch Teddy Hart in ICW... And I see him in this promotion. And I see him in this promotion. I mean, unless, you know, I really fucking liked his work or I was a friend of his and wanted to see him, you know, excel or I wanted to, you know, enjoy his matches. Why would I really be so, you know, enamored and so excited to pay 20 bucks to see him for MLW? But MLW, of the three right now, MLW, Ring of Honor, and Impact Wrestling, even though they're not financially and they don't have the exposure, I think MLW has the most solid product right now compared to the other two. In my opinion, you take away Tessa Blanchard from Impact and you look at that roster up close, nothing against the wrestlers there. You look at that roster up close. I think anybody that does a, a fucking business meeting with Anthem they sit at a table and they look at MLW's roster. They look at uh, AEW's roster. They look at this roster, New Japan. They look at all those rosters and all of them over in pay-per-views. And then 
I would have the balls. That, what do we got? Take away Tessa Blanchard. What do we got? Oh, we got a couple of ECW guys. Uh, we got TJP. We got uh, 55-year-old Ken Shamrock, whatever. A, um, what else we got? Um, we have the X Division title. Seriously, what do they have? They're Canadian promotion now, in my opinion. And I'm sorry. I, it's, I'm, I'm not all of a sudden bitter at Impact Wrestling because of stuff with Killer Cross. It's just, to me, they have lost their identity. They are, even though they're having a good show right now, their product is solid. Their wrestling product is much better than what it was two years ago. Unfortunately, though, you look at the overall roster, and I'm sorry, if if I have a hundred bucks to spend in a month on wrestling, some of it is going to go to WWE, some of it may go to AEW. Some of it may go to buying a shirt. I don't see where Impact Wrestling falls into that hundred bucks. I may use some of that money and go to a local indie show to see some people I haven't seen in a long time, and this that. Really, what? Why would you spend money on? In fact, I, I'm more than happy to have anybody interact and write me on Twitter at Don Tony D. This way, everybody could see what you say. Tell me why you would spend your money on Impact Wrestling over the other federations. Give me a reason why. And don't just give me a reason because it sounds good. Give me a reason why you legitimately would spend your money right now on that product over those other feds, over NWA, because NWA's got like a three-disc set coming out about the 10 pounds of gold. Um, Is it 10 pounds of gold? I think it's 10 pounds of gold. Whatever. It's heavy. They're doing a three-disc set. It looks cool. It looks good. And you know that the matches are solid. So you want a little old-school NWA feel with newer wrestlers? Pick it up. But seriously, tell me where, why you would put Impact Wrestling in that $100 monthly balance. I can't find it. Just can't. Anyway, D-Boy Gentleman, what does AEW get right that WWE gets wrong so far? Um, it's only been two weeks. So what I'm about to say is only two weeks. But what I like so far is the freedom in the promos. I mean, look, Jericho cursing a little bit. All right, it's cool to, to hear a little cursing. All right, we we see commer- commercials cursing. I mean, we've how many commercials you've seen on the USA Network you hear somebody cursing? Um, so cursing is fine. I don't need to hear it a hundred times because I think there's overkill. But what I like about it is what Jericho was doing in Japan. Look at the promos that Jericho cut while he was wrestling in Japan against Okada and others. And he would curse a lot worse than this. But the reason why I loved it is not necessarily because of the cursing, but because it felt, gave the suspension of disbelief that it felt real. Like if I'm pissed off at you, I'm probably going to call you a dopey motherfucker. Now, they're not going to say motherfucker on AEW. But if I'm going to call you a stupid, stupid bitch, you know, they probably would use that term. I've talked about it in the past. WWE's promos are too choreographed. I'll never forget those promos that Randy Orton, remember that promo that Randy Orton did in Las Vegas? And he used like a betting analogy 
and it sounded so geekish, like not even a nerd would have said something like that. But you could tell that WWE had a line that they wanted him to use in his promo, and he said it, and I'm like, what the fuck was that? And you could see it's overly scripted. So the freedom of really expressing emotion is excellent. Jericho's promo tonight, unlike, and you know, Discord disappoints me because I wanted to see that tweet that I think it was Bruce Mitchell posted claiming that this was Jericho's best promo in his career. I mean, obviously this person is either nine years old and never saw Jericho up until maybe this year or maybe got hit over the head with a rock and has amnesia or brain damage and doesn't remember any of Jericho's promos because there's a lot of stuff with him and Greenberg and going back to WCW and feuding with Malenko and the stuff he did when he first came to the WWE. I mean, my God, there's promo after promo. His feud with with uh, with Shawn Michaels. Come on. Jericho, best promo of his career tonight? Why? Because he called someone stupid and a son of a bitch and shit? Terrible. Dumb, dopey. I, I, I just confused and I'm disappointed that none of you got that tweet. I would have thought by now somebody would have posted it. But um, now that freedom to be a little bit more uh, natural in what you say and what you do. That's what I like so far with AEW. I mean, when you see the run-ins and the DQs and the no contest and a dopey bullshit movie interview at ringside and you see, you know, this this person interfere. and it, I mean, we've seen that in every promotion. AEW doesn't feel that much different, but it feels like the wrestlers have more creative freedom. Creative freedom. Ah, with that said, I think... We are done. How long did we go? Holy shit. We went that long? Over two hours? Wow, we got to cut this down, man. We got to cut this way down next week. It's got to be maybe 60 to 90 minutes. It is a little bit too long. I'm not knocking it. We had fun tonight. And all of you interacting was awesome. But I think in the future, we need to trim these down a little bit. I don't know if there's going to be that much to talk about every single week. Because as the weeks go by, we tighten up these recaps a little bit more. No need to talk a whole hour just on a recap. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I was in torque cardio mode. I don't know what that means. Well, I, do, I actually do. And, uh, you know, we took a little questions from the VIPers at Patreon this week just to mix it up a little bit. I mean, I don't know if we'll do questions every single week. I honestly was a little concerned that we wouldn't have too much to talk. I don't want to be a straight-up recap show. To me, I, that's lazy. I, 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 I understand pay-per-view recaps, and I understand right now doing recaps for both because it's new, it's competitive, you want to see what the uh, competition is doing and this and that. People are taking sides. It's fun. So I totally get why we do recaps right now. I'm totally in, in agreement with it. But... There's NWA, there's MLW, there's Impact Wrestling, there's some MMA stuff going on, there's some indie stuff going on, there's New Japan going on, there's a lot, Ring of Honor, there's a lot of other stuff going on. And if you're going to just do a straight up recap and ignore all of the other promotions out there, you're lazy. Plain and simple, lazy. I hope you enjoyed it. 
again, this is a work in progress because in the 22 years of me doing this, going back to the hotlines, I never did a show that did not include some Raw and SmackDown discussion. And it used to be the majority of it. So to do a show now that has pretty much none is something to get used to. It's a challenge. And these recaps, doing AEW and NXT at the same time, that's hard, but it's fun. I'm really enjoying it. So, you know, if you haven't tried it yet, not saying that you have to write down a recap, but if you haven't tried watching them together, um, it is fun because you could see, like, how the other promotion is handling certain segments. You almost feel like something goes on a little bit longer or something gets cut a little short or they throw this in there. I There's definitely intentional placement by some uh, segments because of what the competition is airing at the same time. Um, the idea of almost getting the main event at the beginning of the night, you know, I don't think that's always going to happen with NXT. Now, as far as AEW goes, look, the Young Bucks versus Private Party, yeah, that could be a main event on any night. But I think people forget back in WCW, we used to have the Cruiserweights battle in the opening match many times. And at the end of the night, a lot of people would say, wow, man, that Rey mysterio Hoovy match or Psychosis or Conan, whoever, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko. I mean, people would fucking say that was the best match of the night. And many times it would open up Nitro. So... All right, everyone, please send your feedback. It is very much appreciated. Um, I want to thank everybody again. Hoogerman, I've been calling you out on Patreon. I owe you a gift. He's the one that came up with the that dynamite music. He's like, hey, check out this song. I first heard it. I'm like, this is like a 45-year-old disco song. And I'm like, this is stupid. And then I listened to it, and it just hooked me and I'm like okay maybe if I splice this and mix this and add this and cut this down and add this and when it came together I was like wow this is awesome so for everybody out there to absolutely love that goofy music and Dell's with that 70 is 70 shit um if you heard at the end of Monday's DTKC show uh you probably enjoyed it I was amazed at how much people loved the music so Hey, if we have a little retro feeling to this, why not? I'm enjoying it. And I hope you enjoyed this edition of Wednesday Night Donomite. I will return again next Wednesday with your next show. If you're on Patreon tomorrow afternoon early, it is Breakfast Soup with yours truly and Mish. I'm sure we will debate a little bit about the uh, Wednesday Night Wars and maybe a few other things I said tonight. We'll get into your questions and a few other things. And uh, I'm out of here. Take care, everyone. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area 
and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com.